I just want to say I love y'all's worship, and I love your worship team, and I love that there are families represented on stage and multiple generations. I think that's beautiful, so uh, thank you for that blessing. Nora, they're like, uh, I know that there was a mom and a son and a dad and a stepson, and love it, love it, so. Um, I, uh, I, I think I said this in Sunday school, but I don't know if I said it earlier. I, um, also my iPad is like dying, so, you know, that's how we roll in RUF sometimes. This is a ministry tool slash portable charger. Uh, I got into this band. Where's Jordan? Is Jordan in her? Did he walk out? The drummer. Oh, there you are. I got into this band, Guster, in, high, in middle school and high school, and their percussionist is a hand, well, he plays a set too, but when I got into them, he played hand percussion, and I was like, this dude is crashing cymbals with his hand. Like, that's awesome. And uh, the young life guy in my hometown, Thomasville, uh, he's like, I've got a conga set. And so I started playing percussion with our worship team, which led to me playing at RUF and learning like djembe and cajon, which is the box drum. And I just was surrounded by musicians that were way better than me, but were so kind to me. And I love, I play at RUF a lot um, just because we need it. And like, they're like, can you play again? But I just love seeing your, what is, what is your name again on bass? What? Ethan. Ethan. Like, Ethan's learning how to do bass, and uh, y'all's son is singing. Like, I just love that y'all are like, come on, you can be a part of this. You don't have to have this degree or this certification. Like, you matter. Like, your skills, Jordan, as you're learning, or not Jordan, I got it wrong again. Ian, like, I don't, I can't play bass, but man, bass and percussion and piano, I feel like, adds so much to worship. So, Thank you for blessing me, adults, kids, love being here. Um, let me open up my iPad and get to where I need to be. Um, so we're in Philippians 1. We've been doing, uh, oh, I might need to reconnect to my hotspot. We've been doing uh, Philippians in a series called Encourage this fall at RUF, and um, at RUF, if you're like, what do they do in large group? We just basically open the Bible and I do a sermon series. I don't say that I preach because I feel like that's what, we, what you get here uh, in the local church gathered on Sunday. I say I deliver a sermon, uh, but I'm writing and delivering sermons to college students week in and week out on Tuesday nights. Um, we sing songs and we do a mix of contemporary, which a lot of fl Florida kids know, uh, but also traditional, and uh, my hope is that you come from Pine Woods and you know some that, that you sang growing up and you learned some that you didn't know. Or you come from a traditional church like the one I worked at in Jackson, Mississippi, First Pres. A lot of hymns, a lot of Trinity hymnal stuff, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. But then they come and they hear uh, like that song, The Blessing, or um, Yet Not I But Through Christ in Me. I mean, these songs that are being written now that a, a kid like that may not know in hopes that they leave RUF and they go to a local church and they're like, I learned how to worship more and uh, maybe the, the genres that I can, I can roll with, I'm not as choosy about. Um, so, but here we are in Philippians 1. Now we're rocking. And uh, as we get going, I'm going to open up with a, uh, an FSU illustration. So sorry, Gators, if there are any, if y'all haven't run them out. Um, but go Knowles. Uh, so uh, I've got a student named Highland Fitro. Highland actually came from R.C. Sproul's church, St. Andrews. And uh, Highland's going to, he's a creative writing major. 
He is a total nerd. Uh, loves Tolkien. Loves C.S. Lewis. Uh, he's got like a katana in his hat. Like he's into swords. He's got like a hundred dollar lightsaber that my son Johnny thinks is so cool. Well, Highland went to the LSU FSU game in Baton Rouge. No, actually, I think it was in New Orleans this week this year. But he goes to the game. And uh, Highland's a diehard fan. He does crazy things when we win, like jump into swimming pools and like run around and stuff. But Highland goes to that FSU game that I think a lot of people thought Florida State was going to lose. Well, we did not. (laughs) And uh, why did Highland go to that game? Because he's a diehard fan and because he wanted to represent, right? He wanted to represent the tribe. What did he do when we won? He hugged complete strangers, okay? Like, he is high-fiving and like, ah, you know, I don't even care what your name is, right? You're a part of the Seminole Nation, okay? We just did this. This thing that we didn't do, we cheered them on, and they always thank us, right? Thank you. It's like, the fans are great tonight. It's like, <laughs> thank you, coach. <laughs> but, but this thing that was just accomplished by the FSU Seminole football team is celebrated by all the Knowles that traveled and all the Knowles that were at home watching and like, their, their love for the team was big enough that it brought them together. Many, like Highland, it brought them, you know, states away to celebrate in this stadium. And when the game ended, you better believe they celebrated together. It's a beautiful thing. And y'all, I think their love for their team and their identity as fans of that team, in some ways, is a picture of the unity and the power that we have as Christians who live for an even greater kingdom that is even more victorious than one game or one season. So, You've got your Bible open. If you don't and you are looking for a Bible, it's pro- there's probably one in the seat uh, in front of you down low, and I'm on page 980 uh, and 981. So let's pray, and then I'll read God's Word. Lord, thank you again for Joel, for David, for Sean, for the worship team up here, and uh, for the blessing that Pinewoods is to me as they pray for my family and the ministry of RUF, as they give financially, Uh, but also as Nora and Annalise and I get to worship with them today, as Nora's in the nursery getting cared for, uh, as as Nora and I are here, and as the Nordstrom's in Sunday school invited her to sit with them. Uh, I just feel a warm welcome, and I love hearing all the connections, and uh, just being reminded, God, that you are, man, you are working so many things behind the scenes that we never even know about, Uh, but today you're giving me a glimpse, and some of the rest of us as well, that you are sovereign, and that, like we just sang, that we're, we're a flower that's blowing in the wind. Or at, like M- Rich Mullins sings, I'm a, I'm a leaf that is shaken. And I need you to hold me, King Jesus. Um, you've been my, my Prince of Peace. Won't you be? Uh, you've been my King of Glory. Won't you be my Prince of Peace? Encourage us. Strengthen us. Uh, we're here today to acknowledge that you are in control and that we are not. And that we need to rest and relinquish and entrust our lives to you. And so remind us to be better citizens uh, of your kingdom uh, that we've been adopted into and we can't lose our citizenship. Uh, And so may we, uh, as one pastor once said, be free to struggle and not struggling to be free, uh, learning to be your sons and daughters. So bless the reading of your word and our time in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Philippians 1, picking up in verse 27, and we're gonna go to chapter 2, verse 4. So here we go. Paul says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, 
with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the, in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Y'all, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Um, so what does Paul have for us this morning? He's continuing. He talked about suffering. If you have a Bible open and you're lo- you like to know the context of things, he's been talking about suffering. He continues to talk about it here. And he's encouraging these Philippian Christians to be citizens of God's kingdom even as they live under Caesar's rule. And I think Joel said you just did something in Philippians recently in the last series, right? Um, well, he may have told you this, but since y'all weren't doing a series in Philippians, the city of Philippi was under Roman rule, and the Philippian people had, like, a lot of, uh, aspects of, you know, Roman citizenship. It was a colony, and so it's like, they enjoyed a lot of rights and privileges as Roman citizens, and so, you know, you're proud of that, right? Because Rome is powerful, and you're like, man, we're, we're taken care of here. But that's if you fall in line behind Caesar, if you acknowledge Caesar uh, to be God. And remember, Paul is writing from imprisonment. He is likely shackled to a guard, and it's a high-ranking official that he's shackled to. By the way, they would, like, cycle through him, and Paul would be like, who's the next guy that I get to evangelize, you know? (laughs) Like, bring him in, baby. What's your name? Oh, Bob? What's your story, Bob? Uh, How long are you going to be here? But... Paul is like literally a prisoner, and he is writing to these Philippian Christians who, yeah, they're living as Roman citizens, but he's saying, hey, 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 remember that greater citizenship, right? Um, And he is worshiping this God of the Bible, and he is suffering for it, and he's telling them, you're going to suffer too. Because of this citizenship in God's kingdom, you're going to suffer just like me. How do you thrive, though, as you face this suffering? Um, How do you survive the highs and lows of the Christian life? Answer, by faith in Jesus, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. Plug Getty, uh, modern day hymn. I love that. We walk by faith and not by sight. Great song. Uh, We walk by faith, uh, not by sight, and we live side by side that faith out with our other, our fellow Christian brothers and sisters. As we we walk uh, side by side by faith together. And so our outline is this. I think the title of the sermon is, is uh, side by side for the kingdom. And our outline is this. Um, How to walk side by side. And then Paul's going to remind us how to think of those walking beside us. So look at this, our first point. Look at verse 27. What does Paul say about how to walk? He says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. That's kind of intense language. That feels like a lot, right? Tough to pull off. But he's just finished, think about it, if you had just talked about your own life and death, uh, don't you think that helped you th- think a little more clearly? Anybody b- battled with cancer in here or any other terminal illness? I'm sure that helped you think a little more clearly 
what really matters to me, right? When Jonathan Edwards, uh, what was it? Um, I think he maybe got smallpox. He actually gave himself a vaccine before vaccines were a thing. And then he realized, okay, I'm going to die soon. Uh, and he was like, all right, how do I want to finish well? Uh, Paul is thinking that. He is thinking, I may, I may die soon. They may put me to death. But with the life that I have to live, I am thinking clearly. I am thinking clearer than I ever did as a Pharisee, as a Jew. But if you've just uh, thought about your own mortality, you're going to have your sight set on the finish line. And he, t- he does. When we face our own mortality, it helps us think a little more clearly, especially as Christians. And so Paul's thought about that, and he's thinking about the Philippians, and it's almost like in a basketball game, he's like, passing it to them, it's like, basketball people, if you get a look, that means you've got an open shot. And he's like, passing them the ball, you've got to take action, you've got to uh, walk by faith, and when you see the shot, take it, right? Y'all claim the name of Jesus, you've got to live in him, okay? Another way to translate verse 27, live as a citizen of the gospel of Christ. Like, live out your citizenship, Christian, Paul knows the Philippian pride in being a Roman citizen, you know, Roman colony. He is pointing them, though, to a deeper identity that they have and telling them, your ultimate allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom, just like mine is, okay? Whether I live long enough to make the trip back to you or not, live in him, live through him, live for him. How do we do that? Paul says by standing firm, by striving together, and by suffering all side by side. Look at verse 27. What does he say? He says, whether I show up in Philippi or I can't get back to you, I want to hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. What spirit are we talking about? If you flip to 4.1, you'd see Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. He's talking about standing firm in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Christians often speak of the Father as the architect of salvation or redemption. The Son accomplishes it. Great book by John Murray, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Father establishes or, or lays out ar- the architect of, of redemption. Son accomplishes it. What does the Spirit do? He applies it. Redemption applied by the Spirit in this day. After Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and what did he tell his disciples before he, he died? He said, it's better that I, or after, it's better that I go away. I'm gonna send the helper, right? This is gonna be good for you and he's gonna apply all these benefits of salvation. And y'all, brother and sister in Christ, we would be silly not to pray that the Spirit would unite us, not to pray all the time, not to pray that he would supply us new mercy every morning. Confession, my kids woke up early. We live in Eastern time. It was not time to get out of bed this morning in our hotel and I'm like, wait, y'all, ah, you know? But then, as we sat in a little bit of extra silence, I'm like praying for God's mercy, right? I need your patience, Lord, because mine's already gone. When Christians meet together like we're doing right now, we pray that the Spirit would bless our meeting like I think David did at the beginning of the service. Oftentimes we call it a prayer of invocation. We're like, Spirit, bless this. Bless this worship service. We invite you into this place. We're gathered to worship you. Please join us. Please be glorified in this. We are spiritual beings, right? Not just physical bodies, but beings with souls as well. To stand firm in one spirit is to plant ourselves in God. Again, 
uh, the Rich Mullen lyric that I got wrong. He says, hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaken like a leaf. You've been my king of glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? That's a time where he's feeling anxious, and he's like, wait a second. I am a leaf not blowing in the wind. I'm connected to that huge tree, right? That's where my life comes from. If you're a Christian with a soul that will never die, how do you ensure that your soul is healthy? You make sure you're connected to the one who created it, right? You make sure you're connected as a branch to the vine and looking to the lead of the vine dresser, right? Looking to him to establish our steps. As Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Or to say it in a funnier way, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? He is in control. We should surrender that control to him rather than clinging so tightly and thinking that, you know, we can control it, right? The Christian's got to stand on God and his word, and if we seek to walk by faith following the Spirit, well, we're going to, if we actually do that and surrender that to him, then what's going to happen? We all in this room with all our different minds and hearts are actually going to begin to think similarly because we're praying to God to lead us. We're seeking wisdom from the Bible and leaning on each other right? It's not just me monsters building my little Babel kingdom and your little tower over there, you know, all these individual Jenga towers that are all going to fall over. No, we're like, we're done with that. Let's do this thing together for his glory. Lead us, Lord. Whereas before we may have thought, oh man, David, bad idea. Joel, what? No. You know, like now I'm like, wow, David's gifted in ways I'm not. Joel's gifted in ways that I'm not. Whoa, Sean, I never would have thought about it like that, right? God is giving us these gifts, right, in our lives. And he's going to sharpen me in that way, or she's going to encourage me in that way. By the way, ENFP, Enneagram 7, extrovert. Who am I married to? Like ISTJ or something. Like, I don't even know her letters, but man, my wife and I are opposite in so many ways. And I needed that, okay? I don't do good at slowing down. I need a woman who's like, bro, why are you going so hard? Like, just chill. And, you know, I have probably pulled her out of her little nest or whatever, you know, in ways that she needed. Uh, God gives us people that are different than us uh, who can help us see the world through a different lens, and it is so good. What a blessing. But let me ask you, how are you digging your heels into the Holy Spirit? How are you resting your ultimate faith and allegiance in His lead rather than your own? How are you letting go of your routine, let's say, on Sunday that you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Maybe you're a creature of habit. And how are you letting go of that routine to let this be a day of rest and worship? Or are you just continuing on as usual? Are you praying when, when the times are best or hardest? Or are you just telling yourself, if I could just control that one more thing, then I'd be able to fix it you know, at work or at home. Y'all, standing firm in the Spirit means not standing on your, on your own two feet. It means trust, trust falling onto God. It is hard to do the trust fall, by the way. Maybe you've never done it and you're like, never will I ever, or gone on a roller coaster because you're terrified of it. Exercises like that are actually pretty helpful. We need to do things where we can entrust our lives to God. And we do that together. We can't do it alone. Um... Secondly, side by side, how do, what does he say about um, walking? He says, uh, stand firm. He says, strive side by side. 
Uh, Verse 27, with one mind, strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. How do we know what to share with others if we don't understand the gospel ourselves? Oftentimes, we're all like, oh man, you know, David's gifted at evangelism, not me, right? Like, that's your thing. Or that's your fruit of the Spirit, not mine. You know, we just think, God could never do that through me. But I would challenge you, the fruit of the Spirit, in the Greek, it says, the fruit of the Spirit, individual, is love, joy, peace. Like, all that stuff will flow uh, through and out of a believer who relies on the Spirit. If we are standing firm in one spirit, well then, man, we're going to be able uh, to strive side by side and see these spiritual gifts flow out of us. But how do we, how do we walk by faith if we're not studying uh, this book of faith? And so we've got to deepen our faith through study. We've got to pray together. We've got to have fellowship. I loved hearing those announcements about the things that y'all have going on. Uh, it seems like this church does fellowship well. Um, so I applaud you. But practice hospitality. Don't just settle for like, yeah, I see that family in church, uh, you know, once a month. Have them over for dinner. Invite them into your space. That is a game changer. That is next level when you invite someone into your space. I've been holding this thing for like five minutes and didn't take a sip. (laughs) Now I'm going to put it down. But that's an aside. That's not in my sermon. Um, we We are all in need of learning and changing and growing. I love the Paul David Tripp book and book title. We are instruments in the Redeemer's hand. Subtitle, people in need of change, helping people in need of change. Like, we strive to go deeper and deeper into the heart of God, or as Lewis would say, further up and further in, right? And even those of us that have been Christians for years and years are learning new things from the Bible that we never saw before. Your dad's name is Don right? Like, Don's been a pastor for a long time. He's been in ministry for a long time, but I bet you, maybe you've been around him long enough where maybe he'll, like, uh, discover this new thing about the gospel, and I just think that's awesome that a dude that old, he's not that old, (laughs) older than me. How old is he? 81. 81. That's older than 34, but if I was in Bible study with him and he's just like, whoa, that's so cool. I've never noticed that about that verse before. It's just beautiful that you can continue to learn new things from God's word. And as we strive side by side, you know, this, like the prodigal son story, I feel like Keller, and I'm sure someone said it before, but the prodigal God, like, I felt like in many ways, he helped a lot of us see that story in a way we never had before. Like, that's an example. It's like, let's strive side by side, and God's going to continue to open our eyes and enliven our, our, our minds and our hearts and, uh, you know, have that kind of theology on fire uh, mentality that I think uh, Lloyd-Jones was said to have. Um, As Christians, uh, we're not going to keep the most valuable information as we're falling in love with Jesus. We're not going to keep that to ourselves. We're going to start sharing it with our neighbors. Like, we know the most beautiful love song there is, and so we're going to sing it to anybody who will listen, right? And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I would, I would say, and maybe you're a kid and you haven't professed your faith yet, so you're a, a covenant member of this church, but you're uh, a non-communing member. Ask your parent, or maybe you're a visitor and you know, came with a, a, a friend or a family member. Um, ask your friend or ask your, your family member what they believe and why. If you're a Christian, let me ask you, do you think the gospel is beautiful? Do you love God? Do you think others should know this love? 
I hope you would answer absolutely to all of the above, and now you're asking yourself, okay, if I do believe all that, and I want the world or these people in my sphere to know it, what does it look like for me to pull in brothers and sisters and strive side by side to live out this faith? It doesn't have to be this thing that like requires four years of studying theology. It might just mean you cross the street because you do want to get to know that neighbor. You knock on the door and you're like, hey, we've been talking about this for years. Would y'all like to come over for dinner? We want to hear your story. You know, like we want to get to know y'all. Or talking to that person at work or, you know, whatever, like, it's learning people's stories, and then when they ask you yours, saying, this is my story. Like, God changed me. He is changing me. Um, I am a, uh, a man or a woman who, you know, needed Jesus, and I really, oh, man, I lived for this thing or that thing, and God helped me see that. And, man, I, he is in the process of just freeing me from that. You know, he claimed me, uh, and, and he, he, he proclaimed that I am righteous and his child. And now, you know, I'm just doing this, what, what about Bob for the rest of my life? Baby steps, right? Baby steps of faith, learning how to live uh, in light of uh, this, this redemption that Jesus accomplished for me. How can you and I strive with fellow brothers and sisters for our faith? How can we be more vulnerable in small group or, or in our marriage? How can I confess or grant forgiveness in order to live out my faith and live in the reality that Jesus' blood is enough and so I'm not going to hold on to that unforgiveness against this brother? Jesus is big enough, right? Or are we going to be the unforgiving servant who just totally didn't get it? How can I go deeper in my friendships or my family rela- relationships and link arms? You know, now I'm thinking of like Red Rover, right? with that person beside me and grow in the grace of Jesus and, and, and become more holy as we walk. By the way, the image that comes to my mind with both of these imperatives of um, standing firm and striving side by side uh, is, is that of a runner who has his or her feet on the, don't they call it the block sprinters, right? Okay, so, I mean, it's literally like this little block and you, I mean, your weight is on that thing and it better be anchored, right? Or else you're slipping. But your, your foot is anchored And then you hear that gun, and you take off, right? And you sprint towards the finish line. Are you and I, and Paul uses that language uh, in other places, are you and I running our race? Are we using the life that God has given to us, right? He is the author of life. He is the creator. Are we using the life that he has given us to run and feel his pleasure, as uh, Eric Little would say? When I run, I feel God's pleasure. You and I were created to glorify and enjoy him. And standing firm in him and striving side by side with others toward him is the best way to live. So let's throw away these other ways that we are choosing to live. But lastly, Paul says, we're going to suffer, okay? If you are running in God's direction uh, and you are running by his power, uh, you know, f- by faith, uh, in his spirit, well, you're going you're gonna to hit resistance, um, because, you know, we believe in Jesus and we stand in the Spirit and we strive side by side, side by side, uh, by faith, we're going to be faced with opposition because it's a sinful and broken world that just is not about that race. Um, in verse 29, he says, Paul says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. Paul suffered, the Philippian Christians suffered, and we will too. Let's stop thinking about, ooh, just get me out of this, you know, like, we always just want someone uh, to like teleport us out or just rescue us from suffering. No, 
Here's yet another reminder to you and me that it is oftentimes through suffering that God grows us. And we're all gonna, we're gonna come up against people, even ourselves, the internal battle, like Paul says elsewhere in Romans, we're gonna do the thing we don't wanna do. We're not gonna do the thing we know we should do. We're gonna come up against other people that are like, don't do that, like, don't follow him. Do the thing I want you to do. Live for my kingdom. And Paul gets into these characteristics of the spirit of opposition, right? That is anti-gospel in chapter two when he mentions selfish ambition, conceit, like two characteristics that we all innately struggle with as we try to build our own kingdom. And again, these Christians are living in like a Roman colony. Rome wants their hearts. Caesar wants to be their God. He wants their allegiance. And Paul is saying, do not give your heart to anybody but Jesus. The world is not going to like that, though. The world's going to push back on you. The world's going to say, that is so foolish. You, you still believe in this thing? Like, Don't you know everybody's proved this thing wrong, Christian, in 2022? Seriously? You, like, you believe that? The world's going to say, you're foolish. Why would you waste your life on something like that? Don't you want to be happy? Don't you want to you know, live out the, the dreams and the desires and the feelings that you have inside? And Paul is, is over here saying, that is fool's gold. may look shiny, but it's, it's not worth anything. But as you give your heart to Jesus, Paul is telling you and me, your fear of man, your fear of failure, it's just going to get smaller and smaller as your fear of God grows and grows. And we have an unhealthy definition, I think, today of fear. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, healthy fear of God is knowing who he is, what he's capable of. He's creator. He's also our father. And I read this book in college that transformed the way I think about this. When people are big and God is small. When people are big, you oftentimes make God small, small and you don't fear him because you're a people pleaser, a man fearer. I kind of was like, whoa, that's me. That's, that's the wrong, you know, rubric or whatever for life. This fear needs to be big, and this fear will decrease, right? If you let God take over your heart uh, or become uh, the, the new affection that I think Jeremiah Burroughs, one Puritan, said, there's an expulsive power to that. An expulsive power of this affection pushes out the affection that you have for all this, Right? And so your, your, your fears of these things will be less and less. Your unity, unity with these believers will grow and grow, and it will be a sign of things to come. When you will be perfectly united with all these other believers in Christ and the world that just get, gave themselves to this, they'll be separated from, from Jesus, but they'll know, oh man, he is who he said he was. And now he, he's the judge. Uh, John Foreman, love him, just saw him not too long ago with my wife. Uh, in, in the band Switchfoot, that's his band. But he's the lead singer and uh, accomplished solo musician, committed Christian, committed husband and uh, dad. And he's got this song called Love is a Rebel Song. Um, he says this to, uh, uh, in that song though. He says, sing to me a melody for the ones who will never win in this life. Songs of dreamers, in-betweeners, the ones who will never fit in. If today we don't belong, let us sing tomorrow's song. In a world that's been at war, love is the rebel song. Foreman can look around and see the dysfunction. He can see the constant jockeying to get ahead, to get all the attention, to win, and on and on. And he sees what Paul saw, and he's encouraging, let's sing the rebel song of love. You know, let's not buy in to the narratives of the day, the songs of the day. 
Like, did y'all know, by the way, that the early Christians were called atheists by many? That's, I think, where the term was coined. It was during a time when Rome had lots of gods created in our image. They were just like us. They were impressive some ways, but not in other ways. They were jealous, prideful, broken, just really powerful. And lots of people believed in them, and they look over here at these Christians, these rebels, and they're like, there go those atheists who just believe in that one God. They reject all the gods that, that we follow, and they follow just the one. And today, the world sees Christianity as a dated religion that's no longer relevant. But, but y'all, Paul is here to tell us, and I'm here to tell you today, it is still true, it is just as powerful, and I will preach this message, and, and I pray that David and Joel and Sean all do the same until the day that we die. Because we need to hear it, and we need to hear it. We preachers, pastors, we need to hear it, and we know you need to hear it too. Join us in singing the rebel song. I think it's worth giving your life to, standing on the promises of God, walking by faith, striving together, following the, the Spirit's lead. Let's go through life storms, arm in arm, side by side, looking to Jesus. But the side by side piece begs the question, what am I supposed to do with these people? You know? Who am, I, who, who am I linking up arms with, Kelly? Um, how am I supposed to treat them? If I'm walking for a long time by this person, how am I supposed to think of them? Paul is so glad you asked. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. I love the if-then he gives us in verse 1. It's like, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship or participation in the Spirit, any affection, sympathy, compassion, if there's any of that, which we know there is. Y'all, he's not saying, if any of this is true. He's like, y'all, can somebody compl like, please complete my joy? Because we know this stuff's happening, right? Y'all have the same mind, have the same love, have this unity in soul. This is not if then, it's because we know these things are true. Because we, we have been encouraged in heart and mind by Christ, because we're comforted by God and by brothers and sisters in Christ, because we have fellowship in the same Holy Spirit, because affection and sympathy are ours as fellow members of this family, lean into the reality that our minds are connected in Christ, and our loves are connected in Christ. Y'all, Jesus is connecting the individual dots to create the picture, to create the, the quilt, like the thing that y'all did for VBS out there, all these little works of art that we can step out from and be like, wow, look at this big, beautiful thing when it's all put together. He's connecting the body parts, right? The organs, the veins, the tissues to form the body. This is biblical language. And Jesus is the head. Like he, he you know, was in some ways the, the um, defibrillator, right? You know, he shocked the body or like the valley of dry bones, right? He brings it all together and he breathes life into it. Creation, right? I mean, let me take a little dust and boom, Adam, what? Like that, that is what God does. And he brings all of us together. And now we are the body of Christ. And he is breathing his spirit into us, allowing us, inviting us to participate in this thing that is bigger than us, that has a life that is just more than we could ever live, but it's this beautiful, well-oiled machine, right? Christians in the room, and I'm talking to myself, please stop looking for life in all the other places. Come to church on Sunday thinking, this is my family, right? 
This is how my week starts. This is reorientation. I'm coming back to this, this home, this family meeting, and let's do this thing, y'all. Let's huddle up. Are we going to run the play this way? Yeah. Boom, and then we go out. We've got nuclear power in Christ. And we're oftentimes in our day-to-day, like on this show alone, we're like by ourselves in Patagonia, you know? And we've got like a wet matchbox, and we're like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how we oftentimes try to live life. Why do we do that? Why do we try to do it ourselves? God is saying, like, I I want to give you life. Do you think I'm going to give you a scorpion? Do do you think I'm going to give you a rock? Jesus at one point is like, would any good father ever give, but he says evil, earthly father ever give his kid those things when his kid's asking for bread or fish? No. So how much more would a perfect, loving, heavenly father provide for his children? And yet we're over here trying, we're like, yeah, 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 just let me try my way first, okay? And if it, if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll call you, you know, I'll text you, God. Um, or this is for the Pixar fans in the room. We're still running on screams when, when Mike and Sully have clearly shown us that laughter is ten times more powerful. That's from Monsters Incorporated. I love it. Like, this, this I mean, just think about that. We're just going to go for it for a minute. Like, Mike Wazowski is this tiny little silly-looking monster. Uh, Sully is this big, scary guy, and he's amazing. And this dude's just the sidekick, and he's kind of forgotten about, right? But I love the way that it, the script is flipped, and it turns out Sully or uh, Mike is one of the funniest monsters there is, and he ends up providing way more power than than you know one ever could with the screams and laughter, ten times more powerful you know, Monstropolis or whatever that place is called, it's powered in a new way that they never knew was possible as they're making kids laugh now. If we're connected to a well that won't run dry, I love Pixar, by the way, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. My students mess with me all the time. And my church, uh, they're like, are you going to give us another Pixar thing? But I've got kids, okay? So we watch, we watch every Friday, family movie night, we watch a cartoon. But if we're connected to a well that won't run dry, if we have the creator of the universe now as our adopted father, which is what the Bible teaches for those who place their faith in Jesus, the eternally begotten son of the father, well, Paul's telling us, selfish ambition, y'all, conceit, you can throw those out of the playbook. No, they do not belong. They are going to lead to loss. And we know it's true from our experience. But the gospel does something beautiful for us. It empowers us to look up from our own mess. And just being doomed to live this, what, narcissus? Where he's just like doomed to look at his reflection for all of eternity? Guess what? You've been freed from that slavery, Christian. And you can look up from your navel and enter the mess of a brother or sister. You can take the death grip off the steering wheel and look over and be like, oh, God's actually been flying the plane the whole time. Man, I can, I can explore the cockpit, right? I can go hit the snacks. And I can humble myself and count others more significant. I can look not to my own interests anymore, but learn to value and seek the interests of others. Because guess what? God's got me taken care of, right? David, therefore, I want to learn your story. 
right? Um, so much of my job as a campus minister at FSU is like, God's got me. He's going to take care of me. I am resting in him. And so I'm going out and I'm trying to convince these college students, you don't have to do it all on your own. You don't have to manage, micromanage, control, manipulate, like surrender it to him and watch him change your heart. Watch him rewire your operating system right? You don't have to just continue to post and post and post and, and be so hungry for all these likes. And oh, I posted, let me check it again and see if I got any more. Like they are so hungry, kids these days, for validation, okay? We all are. It's just another uh, verse of the same song we've always been singing. But y'all, if we're, if we're honest, we are all very good at living in a universe where everything revolves around me, on my worst days, I want to be the conductor, and I will point to you when I want you to play your part, okay? Like, that's my worst day. But my hope and my prayer for my life and yours is that we will throw away the sinful sheet music of our own score, our own song, and we'll start learning this new song, this, this song, this story that God is writing, and that we'll say, you know what? I don't have to be first chair, like, you, you've brought me onto the team. You've brought me into the family. Let me just work the door. Like, I, how have you gifted me, Lord? How have you blessed me? What resources have you given me? How can I give them back? How can I uh, be a part of your greater work, your greater art, your greater kingdom? I will pass on the baton. I will relinquish it. I will let go of the ink pen, and I will say, not my will, but yours be done. Did Jesus not do exactly that? Paul says his joy will be complete as these Christians, well, his joy will be complete and that these Christians will soar higher than they're, cap they're ever capable of on their own. And they will be a part of something that is bigger than they can achieve on their own. And if they and we will just lay down our idols and, and I mean, honestly, our weapons that we use or, or tools that we use to just turn other people into utilities or to take them out because they're in our way, but if we will fall in line behind Jesus, we will be a part of this story of redemption that is so beautiful that he's writing. And it will be better than the best story we've ever read because your favorite story, the truest parts, are pointing to this one. That's why we resonate with them so much. What could it look like for you and me to start, you and I, me, me, or I, for you and me to start dying, I'm kind of a grammar guy, and I like getting it right. What could it look for, like for, for us to start dying to our selfish ambition and our own interests and to count others more significant than ourselves, to look to the interests of others? Maybe it means we ask more questions of our coworkers, not threatened by them taking our job, but looking to play to their, their strengths. I'm asking questions. I really am curious, and I want to empower you. I want, I want to give you opportunities. Maybe it looks like asking our spouse or a close friend, hey, you know I love you. How can I love you better? I know that I'm not perfect at that. I know we don't maybe speak the same love language. How can I do a better job? Sometimes I try to show you I love you, and you obviously don't interpret it as love. Um, we speak different languages. I want to learn yours. Walking by faith, it frees and empowers us to be vulnerable, to praise and elevate others, and not, you know, try to just beat them, and to spend our time investing in the kingdom because Jesus invested everything in us. He gave everything up for us. I told you all about John Foreman. This sermon is actually, I stole the title from a song of his. 
called Side by Side. And uh, I think it's a love song that he wrote to his wife. And uh, this is where we'll, we'll start laying in the plane. He says this, The best me is unafraid when I'm deeply aware of the love of the maker that made me. And the best you is honest when I finally start to believe in the promise you promised. I think that's marriage. And maybe somewhere deep inside, under the fake me, underneath my pride is more than a daydream where I finally find the missing piece that I've been looking for, where you and I, as different as snowflakes, side by side start to melt into something. You and I will find the ocean we come from, where you and I, like a symphony ringing, side by side, my drums, and you're singing, you and I will find the ocean we come from, side by side. Do you hear his, his desire to be motivated, to live motivated by the truth of the maker that made him? Motivated not by fear, but by love. Motivated ultimately by God himself to be the healthiest, most loving, most thoughtful, most whole version of himself. Y'all, the mind, heart, and life that the Christian is empowered, I do believe, empowered to live, empowered to cultivate, it has already been done by Jesus. And because of what he's done, because he has permanently placed himself side by side with us, God left his throne above and he said, I'm I'm getting in this thing with y'all. I'm linking up and I'm not letting go. Because Jesus did that, we actually can live side by side and face to face with other brothers and sisters in Christ, moving toward healing, moving toward wholeness, moving toward God himself. Hope that encourages you this morning if you call yourself a Christian. And if you don't, find Sean, find David, find uh, Joel, find one of the elders. Like, I have, I have th- this sermon makes me want to ask questions. We want you to hear more about Jesus. Uh, Let's pray together, and then I think we're going to sing one more, right? Lord, thank you so much uh, that we can gather. Uh, Thank you so much that we can open your word together. Uh, Thank you that we can confess our sin together, because everybody in this room, none of us are perfect. We need to be purified uh, like a precious metal that has impurities in it, so turn up the heat. Um, But Lord, many of us are weak and wounded, sick and sore this morning, and we are like the, the um, what is it, the, the wounded reed uh, that you say in your word that you will not break. And we're just like, ooh, Lord, I am hurting. I am empty. I am really struggling. And we pray that you'd meet us right where we are. Uh, be tender with us. And uh, heal those wounds, Lord. Uh, Remind us that you will never let us go and that nothing can separate us from your love. Uh, Restore us, Lord, and um, do empower us. Remind us that you are the God who loves his people enough to eternally uh, commit yourself to us side by side, taking on humanity and living and dying and conquering death for us. Uh, May we be empowered by Christ, strengthened by Christ, uh, continually reminded of the forgiveness in Christ because we're going to mess up. Uh, But God, may we rest in the work of Jesus uh, even as we learn more and more uh, to walk uh, by faith uh, in light of what he's done towards that day when we'll be reunited with him. So we offer up our lives to you in his name. Amen.